0: To find out if it's right for you. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: This is World's Greatest Con. I'm Brian Brushwood. Oh, hello, beautiful rogues. Yes, we're here again, because it turns out there's even more of the story to share. Last week, we did a Q&A with Justin Robert Young, my co-creator, on this very project. And since then, we've got news. Buckle up. We're going to travel 15 years into the past, because it turns out there's one more voice we haven't heard from yet. One more part of the story in what just might be the world's greatest con. I'm live in studio again with my co-creator, Justin Robert Young. How you doing, Justin? Oh, Brian, I'm doing fantastic. You know, uh, strange things happen from time to time. So, A funny thing about the internet is sometimes when you wish for a thing, it just appears. And we were wishing for the back catalog of the amazing show that you did with James Randi.
2: Yeah, uh, I had no idea where it was. Uh, uh, It still does live in the uh, server that we uh, uploaded it. The RSS feed has since fallen to pot, but... There are links that were sent to me. A few people downloaded them as they were, as they were published and, and I got Dropbox folders. That was fantastic. And then somebody said, oh yeah, by the way, it's still uploaded uh, uh, at these links. And I was like, Oh, you know, somebody sent me a Dropbox. And I was like, oh, well, how about I just send these links to you anyway? And there in that list is one episode entitled Project Alpha.
1: <laughs> which again, if there's one thing we've learned on this program, it's that human memories, not so good. <laughs> so the number one, we we've already disclosed that Justin worked at the J ref. So, yeah. and did a show with Randy. So it wouldn't be surprising that of course you would have done something covering project alpha, but what did it, it feel been like? So it
2: was to me <laughs> when I saw it, I I had no memory of this at all whatsoever the stuff that i remember from doing the amazing show was a lot of randy's celebrity tales and uh uh, remembrances of famous people that uh, many of whom had passed like he has a really funny anecdote about orson wells he has a really funny uh, a lot of funny stories about famous sci-fi authors that he hung out with and stuff like that but there exists 30 minute conversation in which interviewed by me in the same way that, that uh, 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 Mike and and Banachek were with you when we worked on this season, turns out the first interview for this season was done in 2008 and it was (laughs) with me and James.
1: What is it like to experience that? Uh, I know what my experience was hearing it, but it's wild to hear names that had become characters in our story uh, just, just running all around, including, you know, uh, Mark Schaefer at the time. And, uh, it's, it was a, it was a surreal trip. Uh, also, uh, I, I, I just, uh, am in love with 20 something, Justin's voice. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop it.
2: uh, uh your twenties in Florida are a special thing. And, uh, uh, please apologies to everybody. That was, uh, uh, uh the, the, the quarter deck on university drive that, uh, uh, ragged out my voice. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think we should just go ahead and get to it. Uh, this is Randy in his own words as recorded in 2008 for the amazing show. I think we're going to do a, a little Patreon Yes, this is the perfect time for all of you to
1: subscribe at Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash greatest con, because we're going to record a special reaction to this audio. Guys, there is so much more to this little artifact from history. I have so many questions, but... We're going to have our discussion be entirely behind the paywall at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash greatest con to hear me and Justin breaking down all of this wonderful, wonderful artifact.
2: And here we go. This is uh, the amazing show from 2008 entitled Project Alpha.
3: Daily news, breaking updates, and exclusive podcasts. itrix.com It's The Amazing Show, featuring the amazing James Randy. For more information on all things Randy, including the Million Dollar Challenge, head to randi.org. Hello and welcome to The Amazing Show. I'm Justin Robert Young from itricks.com and we join you today from the Isaac Asimov Library as always at the James Randi Educational Foundation. I am joined by the man who makes the show, The Amazing James Randi. How oh, you doing?
4: I'm all a all flutter, all a flutter.
3: <laughs> as you always are. Well, we have a topic this week from one of our listeners, Matthew Boynton. He says, hello from Japan. I've greatly enjoyed your podcast so far, and I was wondering if Randy could shed some more light on Project Alpha.
4: Oh, yeah, that came just before Project Beta, I believe. Yes.
3: <laughs> Indeed.
4: Yeah, well, that Another was a...
3: Uh, Project that, VHS.
4: That, yeah, that made a lot of news. Um, we got into Time Magazine with it, and, uh, well, it uh, sort of resounded down through the through the ages um, ever since. it. Um, it was an interesting thing, that it got its title, as a matter of fact. Uh, I got, uh, this is many years ago, many, many moons ago, as they <laughs> say. Um, I got a a call from a, pardon me, a letter, I should say. Uh, first, a letter from a gentleman who um, suggested, uh, gee, I, I'm an amateur magician. If you ever need to um, uh, send somebody to infiltrate a, a lab someplace where they're doing psychic work and such, just to show them that they can be fooled. Uh, I'd like to be considered for that. And I looked at the letter and said, okay, that I should keep that on hand. I didn't what am I going to do, file it under would-be phonies or something. I just uh, signed it the name Alpha mm-hmm. and stuck it in there uh, in a file. But with less than two weeks after that, I got a second letter from a, another young fellow in a different part of the country altogether who didn't know the first one. Uh, suggesting essentially the same thing. He said that he was an amateur mentalist and he was capable of uh, fooling scientists, he thought, and that these scientists maybe should be put in their place by being shown that they can be fooled. And uh, I put that in uh, in the folder, and lo and behold, it wasn't long after that that I saw in the news uh, the announcement of um, St. Louis University, uh pardon me, uh, Washington University in St. Louis, yes. Missouri, I'm sorry. Um, And a professor Phillips out there and a fellow named Mark Schaefer, his assistant, uh, who uh, were applying for money from the McDonnell Foundation. That was um, the McDonnell Douglas Aircraft uh, Corporation Foundation. And they had been granted $500,000, which was a lot of money back then. It's a lot of money now. Mm -hmm. And uh, that funded them very handsomely. And they announced uh, in their press release that they were going to look for children who could bend spoons with their minds because somehow Mac- the old man, McDonald, mm-hmm. now, uh, now deceased uh, after all, he was 90 something at that time. And that was many years ago. Huh. Long full life. There you go. Uh, he um, was determined that uh, he wasn't going to die until he had found out whether or not there was life after death. Now, how, Bending spoons could possibly contribute to his knowledge of that subject. I have no idea, but he did settle, uh, for Phillips suggesting that studying spoon bending children would be a good way to get your feet wet, so to speak. And, uh, um, step in the right direction. So they announced in their press release that they were looking for children who had uh, psychic uh, occasions in their lives and, uh, not necessarily bending spoons, but anything psychic. And so, uh, I went to the alpha file and said, haha. Maybe it's time to unleash alpha in the world. <laughs> First thing I did was I sent a letter off to Phillips and said who I was and what I did. And it turned out that he knew full well what I, what I did and, um, was not very, uh, receptive of my letter, but I simply explained to him, I said, uh, if you need to have someone to assist you in uh, advising you on the ins and outs of such an investigation, uh, perhaps since you don't have any knowledge of conjuring, I assume, um, I would be willing to serve in that capacity without charge as long as my expenses are paid. And I thought that was a pretty generous offer. Well, Phyllis wrote me back and he uh, told me simply, and almost in so many words, we don't need that kind of help. Thank you very much. We're scientists and we know what we're doing. Now, now, this is
3: after the Stanford stuff with with, with Geller and other previous scientific wings. Oh, yes, yes. yeah, Because Geller
4: pretty well established spoon bending as a psychic uh, event. Yeah. Uh, in the minds of the naive. And um, so uh, I, I thought, uh, well, these people are pretty ripe then. So now it's time to uh, marshal the forces of evil. And <laughs> I, I got a hold of the two young fellows. As I said previously, they didn't know one another.
3: Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it really I, just identify the the forces of evil. As yes,
4: yes. Steve Shaw, who is now known as Banachek the Mentalist. Mm-hmm. And uh, Steve Shaw was from South Africa. And, uh, Mike, um, Edwards. Edwards. I couldn't think of it that often. <laughs> I blocked on. Sorry, Mike. Sorry, Mike. And Mike Edwards. And, uh, Mike, uh, was an experienced, uh, medalist, uh, more so than Steve at that point, as a matter of fact, and a magician. And he, he worked kids' parties and young adult uh, groups and whatnot. And he was, uh, uh, he was, uh, I, I guess an advanced amateur. I could put it that way. Okay. But they were both of their teens. They were both mm-hmm. young guys. And I thought that would be ideal. So I I mustered them, got them together on a conference long distance call and introduced them to one another. And I said, uh, we've got to make a, an agreement in advance. I will not cause Phillips or Schaefer or the uh, Washington University any embarrassment. I will agree with you uh, in advance that if uh, it comes to a case of them committing themselves to uh, accepting what, uh, what you kids do when you get into the lab, if you get into the lab, because they had only applied at that point, um, we will agree that in advance that uh, should that occasion uh, come about when we're, we're going to publish and we're going to uh, make them uh, look uh, rather little in the, the eyes of their colleagues and the, in the eyes of the public, that we will uh, first admit to them that this was a fake. And we will blow our cover right away. And they said, yes, that's only fair because as it turned out, they got to know Phillips very well. Uh, they went in there for the next uh, two or three years on weekends and on holiday periods, never, never being paid a cent, only, um, their expenses. That's all their, their meals and hotels and such. Um, and they got to like Phillips. They, they felt sorry for him because it was so easy to fool him and Shiver. They were, they were both uh, pushovers because they had believed in this sort of thing. And they believed that the kids uh, couldn't possibly fool them because they were academics, you see. Yeah. Well, um, I had them apply to the, um, to go back a bit, I had them apply to the lab. I said, but when you apply, you've got to have something to say. You can't just say, I'd like to do this. You've got to have some sort of example of something that, has happened to you that the past is psychic. I said, I'm not going to assist you with that. I'm not going to write the letters for you. You have to do this on your own because uh, this is something that you've got to do and you've got to be able to show at the end of it that I didn't assist you in designing tricks or any such thing. Yeah. And uh, they agreed to that and they came up with stories that were just priceless. (laughs) (laughs) Steve Shaw said, for example, that (laughs) And uh, this has got to be my favorite. I, yeah. love, I love Shaw's. Well, yeah. And he, I, I was so surprised and edified when I heard what they came up with as their respective stories. And they didn't consult with one another. They came up with the stories independently. <laughs> uh, Steve Shaw said that when he was a kid in South Africa, that uh, they had a root cellar. Now, a root cellar is simply an excavation underneath a home uh, where you store vegetables and things like that. And uh old trunks and clothing and, I, I suppose, anything you want to get out of sight. And uh, he said, but they had uh, food stores down there, too, and they were plagued with rats. And uh, so his father had set rat traps down there. But he forbade uh, <laughs> Steve to go down there because <laughs> when Steve went near a rat trap, it fired off. And he said he didn't know why, but it was something, some sort of vibration that he put out or something. And he fired off the rat trap. But this is totally fictional. Yeah, But yeah. but Steve made this up as a good story, and I applauded it. I thought, that's great. And when I told Mike Edwards, Edwards said, well, I'll tell you my story. He laughed. He thought that was famous. And uh, he told me his story. <laughs> he said that uh, he had discovered uh, as a young kid that his mother told him the story that when he was in utero, in other <laughs> words, when his mother was carrying a about b- uh, in her tummy, that she backed into a cattle fence and got an electric shock from an electric cattle fence. And that he was born psychic. Now there we go. You can't make up stories the like that. The way it's you done. Can't. That's how you but make psychics. Yeah. Oh, it's great. These are two sufficiently different stories. Well, the long story... Uh, long story made short is that they were the two kids that were accepted. Boom, just like that. I I love this story
3: as just a, a parable. To I think what, what a lot is, is is done here in, in the JRF that we can all be fooled. That yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. this could yeah. is straight out of a carnival barker's mouth. These <laughs> these kind of stories and and uh, at this academic institution,
4: that's how they singled it out. Yep, they they selected the kids uh, on the strength of their phony stories. Now. What happened after that, of course, uh, for the next couple of years was very interesting because, again, I didn't design anything for them. I said, you're on your own. You've got to use your skills as as amateur magicians to uh, fool these people. And they won't be hard to fool because they already believe that these phenomena are real and uh, they believe that you're real. Uh, That's why they've they've brought you into their lab. I was about to say hired them, but they didn't hire them because they didn't pay them. So they would report to me. They would get on conference phone and they would report to me as soon as they were finished with the project. They went in on a weekend or on a holiday period of some kind. And um, then I would immediately prepare a letter to the effect that suppose they said we did A and B and C. Mm-hmm. And they described the effects that they had done um, to fool the scientists. And uh, what I would then do is within the next couple of weeks, I would fire a letter off to Phillips and say, uh, by the way, I thought I would advise you uh, that if these subjects, <laughs> uh, whoever they are, as if I didn't know who they were, uh, ever do this, that, and the other thing, A, B, and C, you should do this, that, and the other thing, you see, mm-hmm. giving them advice. Now, you'd think that it would dawn on Phillips that somehow I had found out about these things and that, that my describing what they had just finished doing a week before yeah. uh, might tip them off. But it didn't. He was exceedingly naive, and he wanted desperately to believe. He wanted it to be true. Otherwise, he didn't have a project, you see. Yeah. And um, if I ever got a letter or a response, pardon me, from uh, Philip, sometimes it was only a phone call, uh, he would simply tell me, no, you don't understand. These, these kids are quite genuine, and uh, we don't need advice. No, we, we know how to handle this sort of thing. We're scientists, after all. It was the same story. Yeah. And he wasn't prepared. Yeah. Neither he nor Schaefer were prepared in any way to handle these kids because the kids were good and they were getting better every time they went in there. Mm-hmm. They learned the, the weaknesses uh, of the investigators. You
3: see? Yeah, I mean, especially they were playing even as magicians to an audience of one, which is exactly. a lot easier to get a read on.
5: <laughs> exactly. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B.
0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
4: So uh, things went on until finally uh, the kids called me in some alarm and said, oh, Phillips and Schaefer have prepared a paper that they're going to uh, present to the Parapsychological Association's annual convention. And I said, okay, guys, now we know what we've got to do. We've got to call a a halt to this. And I said, but knowing Phillips, if I attempt to go to them, or even if you attempt to go to him and say, hey, it's all been a trick, he's not going to believe it. Mm. Now, this sounds incredible, but Phillips and Schaefer were not prepared to believe such a thing. They had invested so much in this of their personal uh, efforts and whatnot they, they were just not prepared to uh, to accept that it would be fake. Yeah. So I said, we'll do it sort of roundabout, but I know a way to do it. There was a fellow named Marcello Truzzi. He was a sociologist at uh, the University of Mich- Michigan in Ypsilanti. And uh, sociologists don't get much chance to write scientific papers, they don't get a chance to publish, in other words, and flourish because of publishing. And uh, so anything that uh, came, uh, Marcello's way. Now he was an experienced uh, magician himself. His family had been uh, a, a family of clowns in Italy, as a matter of fact. And uh, the clowns uh, all know the magic tricks and such. They they work with these things. And uh, so he was, his family was quite experienced in the field of show business. And um, so he knew what Geller was doing. He knew what all the uh the, the so-called psychics were doing. But he was playing a, a fence sitting idea because as a sociologist he wanted to be aloof from this and just say, oh we'll investigate both sides of it. Okay, investigate both sides of it. But you find out right away that there's nothing on the one side and everything's on the other side. So <laughs> uh he refused to acknowledge that, refused to find yeah. that. Or at least one size as as, yeah. as a long pattern of failure. Yeah. Now he had been uh Marcello had been uh editor of Skeptical Inquirer at first because I suggested him for the job mm-hmm. because I knew of his experience but then he decided as editor that uh, there had to be an equal number of words on every issue of Skeptical Inquirer from the believers and from the skeptics and uh, we we just drew a line on that and said no that's not going to happen because the parapsychologists don't give the skeptics equal space so we're not about to do it with them and uh, so he was replaced by uh, Ken Fraser uh, eventually and Ken's been there ever since and that was a good move, uh, and unfortunately, I had to bear the embarrassment of having introduced him to Psychop and uh, <laughs> caused them all this trouble. So uh, uh, <clears throat> it turned out that um, that Marcello was was sort of ripe for this because uh, we allowed him by certain surreptitious means by mentioning it to uh, the wrong person, who we knew was a gossip, that uh, the the kids weren't genuine. We just said it that way. We just said, uh, no, we knew the kids were ringers. And we knew that that would get to Marcello and the Marcello would immediately blab it because he was the, the world's greatest gossip. <laughs> and that's exactly what he did. He told Phillips right Through away. Form. Mm-hmm, yeah. Told Phillips right away. And, uh, it got out sort of in another way, too. There was a fellow named Scott Rogo, now deceased, as Marcello is also deceased. I must have had, um, and Scott Rogo, was a writer for Fate magazine in those days, not owned by Llewellyn Publications as it is today, but owned by the uh, Fullers. And um, and there's a married couple who uh, uh, founded the magazine and published it. It was uh, an interesting uh, news rag sort of about the the psychics and supported it all gushingly, of course. Uh, Otherwise, it couldn't have functioned and survived. (laughs) So. the, uh Scott Rogo, who wrote most of their, their articles for them, their featured articles, uh, was a great believer and had a lot invested in it too because without a psychic world, he didn't exist. He was out of business. So he wanted to promote that, and he did, shamelessly. But Scott Rogo was going to interview me at this Parapsychological Association convention. I was invited to speak briefly for them, very briefly for them. And uh, when I was backstage we allowed uh, him to see me with the two kids ah. sitting at a conference table over in the corner and laughing and slapping our thighs and whatnot. And so Scott Roger got the idea, wait a minute, maybe he's in cahoots with, with uh, these two kids. And uh, we found, him, found out later that he had then gone to Marcello and Marcello had said, yes, yes, I heard that, you know. And of course that got to Phillips right away. So what Phillips did, and I've got copies of both papers. He had already issued his, his paper that he was going to read at the, at the PA conference. Mm-hmm. And it shamelessly, just directly endorsed the Alpha Kids as genuine. Yeah. No question of it. And
3: that's, and that's how you got the original paper, right? Yeah. he had given it to Shaw Edwards just so they would be able that's to look right. over it, right? That's
4: right. And uh, so then Steve Shaw was able to get a copy of the revised paper as they were going to pre- actually present it at the PA conference, yeah, and it was full of modifiers. It said, these purportedly psychic children instead Ah. of these psychic children, and they claim that so-and-so. No, they say that so-and-so. Well, you see, these things were all modified now. They changed a lot of uh, adjectives and adverbs and put in little sentences that more or less said, uh, which is possibly true instead of, which is undeniably true. Yeah. So they just yeah. changed the language of it.
3: Which also scientifically leaves a gigantic hole. Uh, in, of course, in the, of course, yes. <laughs> well, we
4: have questions. Why didn't you test it? Now, this did not please the parapsychologists because they're looking for something positive. They, they've always, and to this day, they're still looking for some proof of it. For a yeah. while, to them, Geller was the proof, you see. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, not so much, of course. Although there are still some diehards that will still insist that Geller is the real thing and was back then even. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> But uh, they, and so we had done our job. We had done our job, but we called a, a, a press conference with Time Magazine. Mm-hmm. We got a featured article in Time Magazine uh, explaining what this is all about. And uh, we appeared on the Today Show in those days with Brian Gumbel. And uh, we revealed the whole thing as a hoax, just a matter of days before the, uh, the whole thing blew up in, in everybody's face. Oh, wow. And uh, so... The uh, parapsychological world was, was really uh, highly embarrassed over it, but they had been warned. We had offered to cooperate with them and uh, to give them advice and act as consultants free of charge, and they had turned it down. Yeah, so this was more of an exercise in how far they would go yeah. to yeah. further their yeah. own We were just trying ideas. to show that they could be fooled, and uh, we were going to be able to prove that they were fooled. Yeah. Now, to this day, uh, I, I am told that uh, people like Phillips and, and the, and some of the rest of them there are still saying, Oh, no, there were times when the kids were the real thing. There's no ah. question of it. They have to cling to some sort of semblance of, uh, of having had good common sense. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, they still insist that in some cases, the kids were real. Well, how do you explain this then? And of <laughs> course, you can't explain all of it because sometimes. It appears to work because you gotta, you gotta get lucky sometimes.
2: Yeah. But the kids
4: can give you speeches and speeches on that, of course. And they, the things they did with them were outrageous. There was one case with uh, Mike Edwards. As a matter of fact, he said he produced, he was wearing a black, uh, pullover, Mm -hmm. a dead black colored pullover. And they were taking Polaroid pictures of, of one another, trying to produce spirit pictures. And he produced a picture of a blonde woman with her mouth wide open as if laying in the haunted, a very very fuzzy and out of focus, right against the black uh pullover. These really, it was what we call uh, what's the trade uh, expression? Double exposure. Yes. Ah, because that woman was Mike who had taken off the black pullover and he had a white shirt on underneath it. That registered on the Polaroid, and then before advancing <laughs> the film, he took the the second one with a flash. You see, and uh, so the the shirt registered over that. And it was. Just a simple double exposure. Yeah. But they accepted it as real, and Phyllis went around showing it to everybody. Look, there's a, you can see this woman. here. It's a blonde woman. Wow. Looks very much like Mike. Matter of fact, <laughs> if he'd thought of it, he would have seen that it was Mike, but it, out of focus. How much did, did Project Alpha do
3: for the idea of academics, you know, rationalizing or giving uh, proof to these kind of parapsychology?
4: Well, things? the Parapsychological Association, uh, when they published their report on this, uh Came out with a, the end statement saying, <laughs> very, very, very cunningly, they said that uh, we uh, suggest at this point, uh, because of what we've learned with Project Alpha, that uh, parapsychologists uh, who are in a position where the subjects may be cheating, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> what else? Uh that where the subjects may be cheating, should consult a member of the Society of American Magicians, the Magicians Guild, or the Magic Circle. Ah. Knowing full well that I didn't belong at that point to any of these three organizations, <laughs> you see. So they were specifying somebody else other than James Rand. Yeah. yeah. They don't getting that, around. That old and of cute. course, none of the parapsychologists paid any attention to that at all, except John Belloff. John Belloff in Scotland. Okay. Uh did pay attention to that. And he got in touch with me directly and said, we have a, a psychic here who is uh, performing in a darkened room with the Polaroid cameras on him and such. And, uh, and the video Recorder. And uh, I said, Well, uh, John, what you've got to do is you've got to uh, actually have the video cameras going, though he insisted the video cameras couldn't be going. Ah. And I said, You've got to, all you do is you cover the red tally with some black tape and it'll actually be going. He said, Oh, no, that would be cheating. That would be lying. I said, But wait a minute. If he's lying to you, you'll catch him this way. And it can't do any harm. If he's not lying to you, it's not. It, it's not going to be a bad thing to do because there'll be nothing to catch him at. Yeah. And Bella be said, Bella said, uh, Bella also now deceased, apparently. Um, he said, well, I, I, I find that very difficult, but I will follow your advice. And he did. And he caught the kid. Boom. <laughs> it was very, very evident. Yeah. The kid looked at the camera, saw the tally light was not lit. And so he assumed the camera was off. And of course it was on, it was recording and they could see it in the next uh, room. Oh, man. So, um, it was one of those things where uh, the the one, one person, Belloff, who was a, a leading uh, parapsychological uh, researcher, and uh, uh, he was at one time president of the Parapsychological Association, as a matter of fact, for a long period of time. And so it, it did follow up with that. But from that moment on, we never heard a thing. Nobody wants advice. They, they think they're too smart to be fooled. Yeah. And they're exactly the people who will get fooled. I think for me,
3: and do you get a sense that I have a hard time wrapping my head around exactly how seriously some of these studies were taken, you know, maybe 30, 35 years ago, whereas now, uh, not to say there isn't plenty of people claiming that, uh, you know, this kind of stuff exists, but a university kind of staking their reputation on it, like let's say Stanford did with Geller, uh, it, it, I guess it doesn't, it doesn't seem to me, uh,
4: as prevalent. I mean, am I wrong on that or? Well, let me end, end interrupt you on one point here. Stanford University has never endorsed Geller or anything okay. like Geller. okay it was Stanford Research Institute. there we go. connected with Stanford University. that's true. Yes but uh, not not, 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 the, not working okay. no not working through Stanford University at all. Uh, Stanford Research Institute and the Geller research was done after hours. It was not done officially by Stanford Research Institute. It was done by go. two scientists uh, put off in targ at the uh, the Research Institute. But it was not done officially. It was done after hours. It okay. was just sort of a, a shoestring. A, a thing. hobby. Yeah, 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 that kind of thing. But when it was presented to Nature magazine, it was written up as if it was done under the auspices of SRI. Okay. And that was that was something they should so, not have done. That was not ethical at all.
3: Yeah, it still had the name on it. Yeah. So do you think it's declined uh, you know, as a
4: result of things like this? Or? No. No, no, no. No, no, no. The parapsychologists still need it to be true. They not only want it to be true, they need it to be true, and they will overlook all kinds of massive evidence that stands to the contrary. But nonetheless, they, uh, they go along with it. They go along with that, all of these things, and they let the, the psychics run over them uh, like a Mack truck. And they, they pay no attention to the objections. They just uh, accept everything that comes along, and they never, never ask advice from outside <laughs> of the academic world. Do you think something like this
3: could happen again on the scale that oh, yeah. you guys did it with Project Beta? It's so ready to beta, happen anytime. could actually
4: do a Project Beta? It's ready to happen anytime at all. And Project Beta is always in the room.
1: This episode of World's Greatest Con is written by Justin Robert Young and me, Brian Brushwood, your humble host. Production and research by Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. With additional production by Will Saddleberg. Original music by Carson Pace. Support us directly and keep the world's greatest cons coming by heading on over to patreon.com/slash greatest con. Get an ad-free feed early access to information, and behind-the-scenes extras. Very special thanks go to Banachek and Mike Edwards for allowing us to tell their story. We greatly encourage you to see Banachek's new show, Mind Games, at the Strat Hotel and Casino on the Las Vegas Strip. Additional thanks go to George Slatter Productions, which, along with contemporary news articles, retrospectives, and archive videos, made for the bulk of our research. Write us to worldsgreatestcon at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.
2: Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.
0: Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, Ata botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults